0: with you today, please open with me to the fourth book in the New Testament, which will be in John's Gospel. We're going to start in John chapter 1 and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to uh, look at just a couple different verses, but we're going to skip a little section there. So we're going to start in John chapter 1 and verse 1, and today we're going to look at the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas. Now you probably have uh, heard that that terminology, the miracle of Christmas. We're familiar with the miracle on 34th Street, the movie. But I wonder if if you were to think about all the miracles that took place at Christmas, that very first Christmas, what would be the biggest miracle, in your opinion? What would be the biggest miracle? Now, there were all kinds of miracles and miraculous events that happened on that first Christmas. For instance, we have the miraculous fulfillment of, of prophecy with Jesus being born in Bethlehem and all the stuff that went along with that. We had the virgin birth. That was a huge miracle. We had uh, all kinds of angelic appearances, uh, both to Mary and Joseph before Christ was born and then to the shepherds uh, soon afterwards. We had the uh, the star that not only heralded the Messiah's birth, but also led the Magi to where Christ was a short time later. What would be the biggest miracle? Well, all those things are, are fascinating to consider. They're worthy of our attention. But we're going to look beyond all those things, and, and we're going to focus on what I believe is the biggest miracle of all at Christmas time, and that is the incarnation. Now, I know that's a great big word, uh, but it's uh, we'll we'll explore what that means in just a little bit. Now, all the gospel writers present Jesus a little bit differently, and you probably notice that if you'll read Mark, uh, Mark's gospel, for instance, you'll notice Jesus actually gets mad several times. And all the other gospel writers, uh, all the other gospel accounts, he doesn't really do that except whenever he overturns the tables and runs people out uh, of, of the temple. But, I mean, there are other times in Mark's gospel, and I'm just using this as a, as a for instance, uh, where he gets mad. Other times, like in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is presented more as the prophesied Messiah. And all of them present Jesus a little bit differently. And uh, and they all present him in a time frame. For instance, Matthew, he starts out in Matthew chapter 1 with Jesus's family tree. Now, some of us like genealogy, and that might be fascinating, but after a while, let's face it, when we read so-and-so begat so-and-so, and we can't hardly pronounce the names in our own minds, much less out loud, it, our eyes kind of glaze over, don't they? But Matthew presents Jesus and takes, uh, traces his lineage uh, back to Abraham. Similarly, Luke gives Jesus his genealogy, but he traces it all the way back to Adam in the Garden of Eden. Mark, whenever he talks about Jesus, he doesn't start out with Jesus's birth. He starts out with John the Baptist coming onto the scene, uh, proclaiming that the Messiah has come. John, whose gospel we're going to look at today, is totally different from all the others. He presents Jesus in a time frame, and his time frame is eternity. He tells us that Jesus stepped out of eternity and came to us at Bethlehem. He came from heaven to earth clothed in human flesh. He came as a man, but he was still divine. And that is what the Incarnation is. So if you if you have found John chapter 1, please stand with me in honor of God's Word. Uh, the text will also be up on the screen if you need it. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jump down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh, And dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. You May be seated. Now, John tells us something that that is also said elsewhere in Scripture, and that is that Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God incarnate. At, At Christmas, God came from heaven to earth to save mankind. Now, we're going to talk about in detail what it means that, that, he, uh, that he came in the flesh, he became flesh. But I want to focus on, and I want to focus on this idea, he became flesh. Now, I use that word incarnation. That's a great big word. We know what it means, though, don't we? Uh, we might look at Hitler at the other end of the spectrum from Christ, and we say that's the embodiment, that's the incarnation of evil. Now, that's kind of the, the way that, that theologians use this word incarnation. Jesus is God Incarnate. When you look at Jesus, you see God Himself. That's, that's a it's a big word, but we know what it means. Paul says in one place that in Christ dwelt the fullness of deity in bodily form. Jesus was both fully man, but also fully God. You say, Pastor, how's that work? How do you get all of one and all of another and make it into to one hundred percent to make it one hundred percent? I don't know. I can't explain it, and neither can you. But While we can't wrap our minds around all that goes on in in the two natures of Christ, there are some things the Bible tells us that we do know for sure. The first is that Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. Now, what that means is if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. Look at verse 8 if you have your Bible open still. Sorry, verse 18, not 8. It says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, that's Jesus, he has explained him. Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. And the Bible says that whenever Jesus took on human form, uh, he did not he, he did not become less than God. Now, there are certain prerogatives of deity that he set aside for a time. Uh, for instance, omniscience. He, uh, you remember there was one time when when Jesus said that uh, the Son of Man is going to come back, and he said no one knows the day or hour, not even the Son. And so there was a limit in his humanity that he took on uh, as, far as, his, as far as his divine nature goes, but he never became less than God. He always was divine. So Jesus is very God of very God. He is the God-man. He is the anthropos. He is fully divine and fully human. The Word, verse 14, became flesh. Now if we were to study this idea, if we were to think through it, and I mean to really think about it, our conclusions would probably fill up a whole lot of pages. But I want to move beyond that, and I want to focus on the Word. The Word became flesh. Now to understand what John is saying, we need to kind of put on the brakes, and we need to consider the terminology that he uses. And and again, I don't want to draw this out or make it too technical and make it boring because it's really uh, fascinating stuff and it's exciting. But if we're going to understand what John's saying, we have to understand that he uses a very pregnant phrase. Now, when he says the word, he is the only person in the New Testament that uses this title for Jesus. So if you ever read uh, Jesus being called the word, just in case you ever play Bible trivia, you know that John was the one who pinned the words. Now, now when he when he wrote this, he was writing to people who were either A Jewish and therefore had the Jewish mindset, were familiar with the Jewish scriptures, other Jewish writings, or at the very least were influenced by Greek philosophy and ways of thinking. Now, both the Greeks and the Jews had this word logos, had this word, this phrase the word. And all was significant to them. For instance, In the Jewish mindset, the word had this connotation of the agent of creation. So, for instance, in Psalm 33, in verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. When speaking to his people through the prophets, what what does the Bible say? And then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea. Uh, also, it was, it was God's standard of holiness. It, it was the substance of his law and instruction. So you remember? does anybody remember Bible school? You'd have to stand up, you put your hand over your heart, and you'd say the pledge to the Bible, and what would it be? It would be, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not stand against God. Your word, the word, that is the substance of God's instruction. In the Jewish paraphrases, does anybody think the message or the living Bible is a new thing because it's a paraphrase? It's not. The Jews had a paraphrase of the Old Testament. It was called the Targum. And sometimes they would even use the word in place of God. So, for instance, in uh, Exodus chapter 19 and verse 17, it says, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. But their paraphrase says that Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet the word of God. Now, the Jew, uh, that that was the Jewish mindset, In the Greek uh, way of thinking. The word was that that uh, governing force which ruled the universe. It, it was that it was that thing that that brought order out of chaos in creation. It could also speak of the thought while it's still in the mind. And so, what John does is he takes this word logos, the word. He applies it to Jesus. So no matter who it is that's reading, whether they be Greek or, or Jew or whoever it is, they're going to get a bit of God's nature, of Christ's nature, with this term uh, terminology, and they're all going to understand a little bit better, uh, a little bit about Jesus. Now, does anybody think you can remember all that? Because if you're like me, I can't remember squat. I mean, I, make a, I have to make myself notes, and then I forget where I put the notes. So if you can't remember things very well like me, just think of it this way. Jesus is to the Father what words are to us. Jesus is to the Father what words are to us in this way. They are a way to reveal and express ourselves to others. They allow people to know us. And that's what Jesus did. Look at verse 18 again. It says "Then nobody has ever seen God. But the Son, Jesus, the Word, has explained Him. When we want to know about God, we look at Jesus. He is the one who reveals God to us. He is the Word, and at Christmas, the Word, all that stuff that was just said, the Word became flesh. Now, what does John say about the Word? Look at at verse 1 again. He says, "...in the beginning..." was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. What beginning is he talking about? He's talking about the beginning beginning. He's talking he's not talking about Bethlehem. He's talking about Genesis one one beginning. He's talking about the creation. When all this came into being, Jesus, the Word, was already there. Somebody said, well, how old was Jesus when he was born? Well as Adrian Rogers said, he was older than his mother and as old as his father. He did not get his start in Bethlehem. He's always been. Now, there are groups and there are people who wrongly say that Jesus is the first creation of God and then Jesus created everything else. Have you ever heard that? That Jesus isn't really God with a capital G. He's God with a little g. He's the first creation of Jehovah, of Yahweh, and, and he created everything else. But this, this verse says something very different. Jesus pre existed everything. All of this didn't just come about. He is the creator. He was there when it happened. Now, if you have your Bible open, still look at verse 3. Uh, we didn't read this, but look at what it says. It says, all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now, some people say, well, Jesus is the first, cre- is the first creation of God. But verse 3 says that all things came about through him. All things means all things. And you can't can't create yourself. So that means that Jesus had to pre-exist all this stuff because he was the one that created it. All of it came about through him. Also notice the wording in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. But notice verse 14. And the Word became flesh. Do you see the difference between was and became? See, in the Incarnation, there's a change. He became something else. He took on human nature. But that wasn't the case in the beginning. He doesn't say in verse 1, in the the beginning, the Word became. He doesn't say in the beginning, the Word came about. Because there was no change. There was no uh, coming into existence. Jesus has always been. How and why? Because Jesus is God. And that's, that's what he says in verse 1 as plain as day. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now again, there are those who who do uh, all kinds of violence to the text, and they say, well, you know, Jesus was a God, but he wasn't the God. And that's polytheism. There aren't a whole bunch of gods. There aren't two gods. There's one God. Uh, and and I may preach on that soon, but but uh, that's not the focus of the message. The focus of the message is the truth that John boldly proclaims, and that is that Jesus is God. He is the Word. Now, I want you to consider what he says, because those of us who have grown up in church, maybe we've heard the Christmas story, we've read the Christmas story a whole bunch of times, we might just be real familiar with this idea, this text, and we just gloss over it. Okay, Jesus is God. That's nice. Verse 2. I'm glad he's God, but let's, let's move on. But I want you to think about this. The holy God, the creator of the universe, the one who is so big that the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him made himself so small as to confine himself to a mother's womb. Think about that. Now, sometimes... I've seen contortionists. Haven't you seen these guys? They'll take a little box and they'll fold themselves up. I don't know how they do it. And I just watch them and I think, there's no way a person can fit into a box that size. And then they'll fit themselves into the box. And then they'll close the box, the, the lid of the box. And there's a tiny little box got a person in it. And I think to myself, whew. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I, I wasn't claustrophobic, but I remember... I don't remember how old I was, but I sat on a, a, a five-gallon bucket. I sat on the top, the, the part that had the hole in it. And so I was sitting on it, but all of a sudden my, my britches started slipping, and I kind of started folding. And I slid down in there, and then I couldn't get out. And so I was stuck with my legs and, and top part of my body coming out. I was a lot smaller than I am now. And and I was stuck. and I, I was freaking out. And I look at these people that get in these little boxes, and and, boy, I, I, can't, I can't even imagine. But then when I, I think about God, the creator of the universe, got this little womb. Wow. That's I, I can't even fathom that. God became a man. Why did he do it? To seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus said it in the New Testament. That means Jesus came for you and he came for me. Now, we could go on and we could focus on on Him being the Creator. We could focus on Him being the light and life of man. We, we could we could focus on all those things, and it's all in, in John chapter 1. But I want to focus on verse 14 again. It said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, if we were... I, I, I try to think sometimes, if it was me doing it, how would it be different than the way God did it? And, and I think, if, if it was me doing it, and I'm God, and I'm coming to earth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up in the nicest palace there is, right? I'm going to end up where, where I've got a silver spoon in my mouth, and every, I've, got, you know, I've got people waiting on me, and it's going to be great. I'm going to live the life of luxury. It's going to be fabulous. And then, if I do go out amongst the commoners, I'm going to have I'm going to have an entourage, and I'm going to have people that keep people at arm's length. Anybody remember the Pope mobile? Had the bulletproof glass to keep him safe, right? I, I would I would have a, I would have a Pope mobile. But Jesus didn't do that, did he? He wasn't born in a, a palace. He was born in a, a stinky old barn, essentially. He was born with a bunch of animals around him. He wasn't, he wasn't born to rich parents. He was born to, to very poor, humble people. I remember when we, got, when we adopted Jesse, man, we sent out all kinds of birth announcements. Adoption announcements. We got her! He didn't have people sending out birth announcements. He had the angels of heaven, though. Proclaimed his birth, but they didn't go. To, they didn't go on CNN and 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 talk to, you know, Anderson Cooper. They didn't. They didn't get on TV and speak to all these big wigs. They went to the shepherds, lowly people. His dad was a carpenter. He wasn't the king, and he learned his dad's trade. He was humble. He was lowly. He lived and ate and drank with common people. His disciples. And the other people who were around him. He dwelt among us. Now, the wording that that John uses is, and your Bible, depending on the translation, may actually have this word, says that he tabernacled among us. A tabernacle. Now, a tabernacle, that that should ring a bell in your mind somewhere, because in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle before the temple. And the tabernacle was a tent that, that the Jewish people would take from place to place because they were nomadic. And they would take this tent from place to place. And it was, it was to be right square in the center of the camp. And that's where God would meet with his people. And that's where God would manifest himself. And that's what Jesus did. In Jesus, that's where God manifests himself. In Jesus, that's where he meets with people. Even today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. People say, well, I want to get to God, but I don't want to go through Jesus. You ain't going to get there except through Jesus. If you want to get, get to God, you must go through him. And John finishes up in, in verse 14, saying, we have seen his glory. We, we saw the miracles he did. We heard his sermons. We saw the life that he lived. He and some others were up on the Mount of Transfiguration whenever, uh, whenever they got a glimpse of his heavenly glory. And then he finishes up by speaking of Jesus being the only begotten of the Father. Now, what that means is there's a special relationship between He and the Father. He is God's one and only Son. You say, "But well, what about me? I'm a Christian. I thought I was a child of God." You are, but it's different. You're a child of God by adoption, and He's a child. He, he is. He, he has a we have a relationship with the father through adoption he has a relationship with the father through essence in other words Jesus is is of the same stuff that the father is he and the father are one we are not we, we cannot say that we are not god he is not us but Jesus is god now i'm talking to, i'm talking to christians now but i think it i think it's an important thing to do at Christmas time or any other time to make sure we really are one of God's children. Have we ever been adopted into his family? Say, oh, well, yeah, I, I, you know, 20 years ago I got dunked and, and, uh, you know, I, I joined a church. I guess that means I'm in. Paul says, make sure you're in the faith. Are you really in his family? So I don't remember. You know what? When I got married, that was a significant event and I remember it. I remember the day. I remember who I got married to. You know what? You need to make sure you're a Christian. Not just in name only, but a real Christian. Don't you say, well, yeah, but I just don't want to I don't want to go talk to the preacher, I don't want to go up front, I don't want people to come by and shake my hand. I don't want to get baptized. Or whatever other excuse we give, don't put that. don't Don't put it off. The Word became flesh for you. He came not to judge the world, but to save it. But having said that, the Bible says very explicitly that the one who has not believed on the Son is condemned already. So if you came not a Christian, don't leave that way. But for those of us who are Christians, and Christmas, is, is one, Christmas is one of the best times of the year, I think. And there's just this feeling, not just among Christians, but kind of universally, it seems like, of goodwill, of kindness, of generosity. And that reflects the kindness and generosity that God showed us. But you know, don't don't think just because we, you've heard a sermon on it, because you read the, the the verses in the Bible, that you can recite verses. Don't let that make you lose sight of the wonder of it all. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh. And He dwelt among us. Wow. Want to stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Sometimes we in, in Christian circles. upset about the commercialism that surrounds Christmas and maybe you don't buy into all the commercialism but I wonder if if maybe we haven't done disservice to the wonder of Christmas, to the miracle of Christmas that God would come from eternity step into time take on the limitations of humanity die on the cross for us A few weeks ago, we looked at at the starry host and all the galaxies and, and all the planets and all the all the stuff in space. I think you can't help but look at that and say, "What is man that you take thought of him?" But that's exactly what he did. Not because we deserve it. But because of his great love. How is it that you need to respond to Christ this morning? Gratitude, with quiet reflection as you consider what he's done, with repentance. Heavenly Father, it is it is mind-blowing when we consider the condescension that you that you did from having no limitations, never being tired, never being confined to a location. Never being confined to in regards to knowledge, no limits to your power, and to think that you would set all that aside for a time and become a man. Lord, we know more than a man because we know that. The Christ was fully God. And we just, it, we just stand slack-jawed as we think about it. God, help us to never lose sight of the wonder of Christmas. The miracle of, of Christmas is, is, though we don't deserve it, you showed your love towards us coming and dying for us when we're still sinners. God, I thank you for that, and I thank you that there's ongoing forgiveness for those of us who are in Christ, that when we fail and we sin, that that you'll wash those sins away. You'll restore that, that fellowship with you. And God, we thank you for the salvation that you provided. And if there's somebody here who's never accepted Christ, God, I pray that you'll convict their hearts and let them see Christ today and get a glimpse of the love that he has for for each of us and be saved. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.